Welcome to episode 558 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And tonight, it's a solo episode. I know what you're thinking. It's the week of E3. Richard just couldn't take it. He just didn't want to be here for all of the gaming news. And that's not actually the, the issue. He's He's just crazy busy uh, this week and i told him you know what don't let, let's not try and reschedule like it is mostly gaming news so um you wouldn't really he wouldn't have that much to contribute anyway so uh just a solo episode for you this week which probably means a shorter episode which you know some people like some people don't uh but i think it will be a good thing uh, if you want to send us feedback for a future episode, you can do that by emailing us at entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. So there is a fair amount of gaming news, even though I said last week there might not be. And Richard said, of course there will be. And like usual, Richard was right. So let's get on with it. Uh, but before we get to the gaming news, we do have a little bit of other news, and this is the 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 three stories of the show that Richard could have contributed to, but that's all right. So the first two video stories, both from NBC. The first is NBC has announced that they will have Summer Olympic Games showing in 4K and with HDR and with Dolby Atmos sound. Sounds amazing, right? This is what we all want. We want this for for our awesome home theater setups right now. And um, so where are you going to be able to watch it? No idea. It's going to be up to the actual TV providers to provide it to you. And most TV providers, uh, whether that be your cable provider, your satellite provider, or your streaming provider, typically don't offer 4K video for live streaming and probably even less frequently offer Atmos sound. The the one really notable exception to that is Fubo. Fubo really kind of made a name for themselves in the live TV streaming space specifically around sports. And they actually offered the last World Cup in 4K. And I believe at least in the United States, they were the only service that w- that provided the World Cup in 4K. So I think Fubo is a pretty pretty likely uh, to offer the Olympics in 4K, but there's one place we know won't be offering the Olympics in 4K, and that's Peacock. Yeah, NBC's own streaming service won't be airing anything in 4K. Why, you ask? Well, because Peacock doesn't do anything in 4K. Nothing. None of their shows are in 4K right now. So they're not going to be broadcasting the Olympics in 4K. Seems like a pretty big miss, right? Like they, I'm sure, had to pay oodles of money to get the rights to stream the Olympics. And they're producing it in 4K, but their own service, which you would expect subscriptions would probably go through the roof if they offered this, won't have it. Won't have it. So. It it kind of feels like they just dropped the ball on this one. This is probably another thing that they'll just blame the pandemic for, like companies are doing for everything that they've messed up. But 
Regardless, uh, you're you're going to be looking around next month when it comes to 4K streaming or 4K on your TV provider. So hopefully it'll be widely available, but we don't know where just yet. All right. Well, the other video story is also from NBC, and this is also related to Peacock, but this is maybe better news, at least for people like me. They're going to stream the remaining Stanley Cup semifinals games, every single one of them on Peacock. It's kind of an awesome deal because all of these games, if you were paying a regular TV provider, they're only going to be available on NBC Sportsnet or USA. But only a couple of them, I think, are going to be on USA. So the vast majority of them would be on the NBC Sports Network, which you're going to have to be either paying for cable or uh, potentially Sling TV. That's what I'm doing. Sling Blue gets you the NBC networks, or you could be shelling out the big bucks for Hulu Live or YouTube Live, but or YouTube TV, I guess it's actually called, for $65 a month. So those are your options, or at least for this next round, which if both series go all the way to Game 7, would go all the way until June 26th, then you could watch them all on Peacock, but not the free Peacock. So you'll actually have to pay for Peacock Premium, which is, it's not bad. It's five bucks a month. And there's a seven-day free trial. So if you're not hearing this until Thursday or Friday, there might only be another week of the Stanley Cup semifinals. So you could potentially sign up for the seven-day free trial and watch almost all of the remaining games in the Stanley Cup semifinals for free if you don't already have one of these paid TV providers. Now, what about the Stanley Cup finals? Well, we don't actually know. And then again, if it's the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Islanders, who cares? Because it'll be the most boring Stanley Cup finals in history. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Go go Vegas. But we don't know. They they haven't actually announced what they're planning to do with the Stanley Cup finals yet. Normally, they'll air a couple of games on NBC Sports and then most of the rest of them on regular NBC, just broadcast over the air, which is great. Like it makes it available to everybody. It's actually terrible for me. As most of you know, I just moved and I don't have an antenna for my house and I don't, I, and I'm paying for Sling. Sling doesn't give me my locals. So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do to watch the Stanley Cup finals if it's teams that I actually want to watch. So We'll see. I mean, it would be great if they still aired them on on Peacock, even if even the games that are just on NBC, because I don't think I mean, maybe I could get a really big antenna and get it installed in time. But I think I'd have to get a pretty big one because I moved even further away from the TV towers. So I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing, but that sounds like uh, a segment for what's going on in my entertainment center in another week or so. We do have one audio story this week, and that's from IKEA, probably the the most leaked audio story that we've ever had. IKEA and Sonos have gotten together for another speaker. This one's got a terrible name, the Symphonisk, however the heck you pronounce that word, Symphonisk Picture Frame Wi-Fi Speaker. That's the name of it, that whole mouthful. 
And it's pretty much what it sounds like, except that it's not actually a picture frame. It's not just a frame. This is the an entire piece of artwork. So think of a mostly black or a mostly white modern style abstract kind of piece of artwork, like a painting, uh, kind of looks like a painting, framed, that hangs on your wall. But there's a power cord, so good luck hiding that. And it's actually a Sonos speaker, which sounds pretty cool, I think. If you hate the idea of it being a picture frame that's hanging on the wall and then you're trying to figure out what to do about that power cord, well, it does have feet. So maybe you set this on your mantle or your entry table. No, an entry table doesn't make sense as a place for a speaker. So maybe the the couch table or something like that. I I don't even have dimensions here. It looks like it's probably two and a half feet by one and a half feet, probably, but we don't actually know yet. Uh, the the one things that or the things that we do know are how much it's going to cost, when you can get it, and a little bit about the artwork. So, like I said, there's a mostly black one. There's a mostly white one. They're also going to offer other artwork panels later, like starting in August, for 20 bucks each. But if you're thinking, I really just want the frame and I want to put my own artwork in front of it, you can't. Like this artwork is designed to have holes in it and stuff for the sound to come out of this thing. Makes sense, but you've got to really like this artwork in, in order to go this route, right? So. I mean, there's lots of options here. If the artwork panels are only going to be 20 bucks each and they plan to offer a lot more, then maybe there's a decent chance you'll find one that you actually like. I don't think I would put either of the ones that are currently available in my house. I don't think they would really fit in with with our decor, but I guess I'd need to ask Jen to make sure. But I I don't think she would go for this. The other thing that I don't think she would be too happy about is the price. It's 200 bucks, which frankly isn't really that bad. I mean, it's it's Sonos, so it's probably a pretty good sounding speaker, but it's in a form factor that we've never seen from Sonos or frankly from probably just about anybody. I mean, it's a big, wide, flat-ish speaker. It it'll probably sound pretty good. Is it going to sound as good as a a Sonos one? Cuz that's about the same price. Not sure, but you can do everything that you would do with any other Sonos speaker. You could get two of these and put them in a stereo pair. That seems ridiculous. I don't know why you would have two of the same piece of artwork on on the wall or in the same room, but you could. Uh, but because it's Sonos, it'll also just work in other Sonos speaker groups. It's also you know supports Spotify Connect, so you can essentially cast your Spotify audio to it or just all of the other ways that you would play audio through a Sonos speaker. So I'm I'm curious, what do you all think? Uh, do you like the look of, of this thing or do you hate it? Like if they had the right artwork, do you, do you have the right room for the speaker? And what do you think this thing's going to sound like? I, I'm guessing it's going to sound pretty good but i think i'm also a little bit skewed by the fact that we've all gotten really used to the sound quality of your 
Amazon assistant speakers. I'm trying not to say their names so I don't wake up anybody's devices. Amazon's assistant speakers or uh, the the assistant speakers from Google. Hopefully that didn't trigger anybody's. They they all sound pretty decent, right? But if you're an audiophile, you probably think they all sound like garbage, uh, and and maybe you're only willing uh, to pay for the audio quality from like a Sonos Play Five. I can be really certain that this doesn't sound as good as a Sonos Play Five, or 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 some of the higher end offerings from Amazon and Google and 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 those other guys. So we'll see. Uh, I don't think it's going to be in my house anytime soon, but it could be in yours starting July 15th for $199 available, of course, at the Sonos, not the Sonos, the Ikea stores or at Ikea.com. Okay, that's it for our audio and our video news. So now it's the gaming segment. I'm sorry if you don't like gaming, but I guess that's your cue to <laughs> to turn the podcast off. But there's some good stuff here. The one thing that I did promise last week is that I would not just go on endlessly about all of the games that were shown. We don't really talk about specific games here, but there was some other important news to cover. And we're going to save what I think is kind of the dumbest story for last. So there's your your teaser here. So first up, and this is all going to be Xbox news. Like you might be thinking, well, of course it is, Josh. You're an Xbox fanboy. Well, not entirely. They're just, Sony didn't do anything for E3. And Nintendo, they only announced games. So we're going to talk about Xbox because they actually, while they did have a really impressive games showcase on sunday uh with with bethesda and the rest of xbox game studios and it looks great like they have solved the problem of not having uh exclusive games anymore they've got quite the lineup but that's not we're here to talk about because they actually had some other things to announce on thursday during jeff Keeley's summer game fest event i was shocked that this happened at this event but Phil Spencer uh, had some some news, and it was all around Xbox Game Pass and their xCloud streaming service. So first up, their uh, Xbox is finally going to be bringing Xbox xCloud game streaming to Xbox consoles later this year. And you might be thinking, why? I, it's an Xbox. I can just download the game and play it in the best possible quality without needing to worry about internet latency and lag and and all of these other potential problems. Maybe I don't have the greatest or most reliable network connection, and I, I just want to download it and, and have it be fine. Well, these games are enormous, right? Like, a lot of these games are over 100 gigabytes to download, and unless you've got a fiber connection that's probably going to take you hours to download. And if you're a Game Pass junkie, you might be checking out games like crazy. Well, what if you didn't have to download all of them to check them out? That's where I think this is really, really cool. So new game comes out, maybe it's more of an indie game. You're not really sure if you're going to like it. Why download the 40 gig game? You could just start streaming it immediately. You could be streaming it while you're downloading it if you wanted to. That might not give you the best experience unless you've really got a great connection, but 
You could, probably. We don't actually know because they haven't really revealed any of the details. All they've said is that it is coming and that it's coming later this year. And for those of you who are like the Bing Rewards junkies, you know who you are because I talked to you. <laughs> and you, you're downloading these Game Pass games just to, to get the, the Bing Rewards points for, for completing these, these challenges for checking out other games or maybe getting really easy achievements in them and stuff. Now you don't even need to download them. You know, over your lunch break, you could fly through a, a, a few of these quests playing multiple games and things like that because it's just streaming. So I, this is this is totally win-win for everybody. Like, I don't see any downside to this story. The next story, though, I don't think it's entirely win-win. And that's that Microsoft announced that they are upgrading the xCloud infrastructure to no longer be based on Xbox One consoles. Right now, like if you've got a Series X and you're loving it, but occasionally you like to use the xCloud game streaming, then the thing that you really hate is waiting for the load times on those games. Because if you're on a Series X or a Series S, you're used to basically not waiting at all for load times anymore. Man, like I've mentioned in the past that I've been playing Wasteland 3 with a friend of mine. It's not even a Series X game, you know, it, it came out last summer, but on on and on my Series X, the game loads in just a few seconds. But that was one of the games that I played a little bit through XCloud game streaming. And holy cow, like the load times on that through Xbox One hardware are excruciating when coming from a Series X. So you're finally gonna be getting the the ultra fast load times. You're you should be getting better visuals with the ray tracing and, and things like that. They didn't mention whether they're going to be bumping up to 4K streaming yet after they recently went to 1080p up from 720p, but it's definitely going to look better. It's definitely going to run faster and better. So you, you must be wondering, like, where's the downside? You, you said this is a good thing and a bad thing sort of story. Here's the bad thing. What if you don't have a Series X yet and you want one? And you know the reason that we don't have them is because of the chip shortage, the global chip shortage. Microsoft can't make enough Series Xs to to feed the demand, right? And now they're taking some of them and putting them in their own data centers instead of selling them to you. I'm not so upset about this that I think people should grab their pitchforks and torches and and head off to Seattle. Like I, I don't think it's that bad of a thing, but. I do wonder what sort of impact this has on, you know, the, the retail console availability situation. If you've been waiting for months to try and get a Series X, this has to mean that there are fewer available to regular people. Does the fact that you could stream using a Series X make you feel a little bit better? Probably not, because you can't stream everything. You can only stream the games that are in the Game Pass library. So I don't know, like, you know, you're not going to be streaming Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War right now because it's not in Game Pass. So I don't know, maybe this is a small deal. Maybe it's not actually that big of an impact, but I've got to imagine that these data, these xCloud data centers must have thousands, like it's got to be thousands, right? Thousands of consoles available for streaming, like it couldn't just be dozens or, or even just hundreds. It's got to be 
thousands with with all of the people that are using this. So that has to have some sort of impact. And maybe it's not, you know, it's probably not, not racks of of the Series X that looks like a refrigerator, right? Like it's because it doesn't really need to have the case and and all of that stuff. And it doesn't even need to have uh, the Ultra HD Blu-ray drive. It could just be, you know, the, the motherboard and stuff like that. But it's the chips on the board that are really hard to get right now. So it's definitely going to have an impact on how many people can go down to Best Buy or GameStop or Amazon.com and buy one of these. Hopefully it won't be that bad, but everything that I'm hearing says that we should expect this chip shortage to last into next year, 2022. In fact, Sony already said that they expect to have PlayStation 5 shortages into next year. And I'm sure that the same is going to be true for Microsoft on the Series X and the Series S. So if that does impact you, but you're really just down for streaming anyway, and, and you really like what, what xCloud has to offer, then the other news is going to be enter, extra interesting to you and, and more good news. And that's that Microsoft is making good on their they're kind of hinting last year at, at the possibility of bringing xCloud game streaming to more devices. So they announced last week that they are partnering with TV manufacturers to build the app right into TVs. They didn't mention which TV manufacturers they're working with, but they did say it's coming soon. So that could be the, you know your next Samsung TV that you buy this fall or your Vizio or your TCL might just have an Xbox X cloud type game streaming app built right into the TV. The other thing they announced is that they're definitely making their own X cloud game streaming stick. So think of a streaming stick that you can just plug into your HDMI port, grab your Xbox controller and you're streaming. That's like the ultimate travel scenario. You're, you're headed on vacation. You know, the place is going to have great internet. There you go. Now you now you're streaming without having to lug your big, expensive, heavy game console with you. It's a great solution. Again, no details. All we know is that they are actually making one. But when when they first started talking about this a little bit last year, the big thing that we wondered was is it going to do anything else? Will it have other streaming apps on it? I mean, my my Xbox does. I can watch Netflix and YouTube and Peacock and HBO and all of those things on my Xbox, will this streaming stick also support streaming video? Don't know. But all of it's coming soon. I expect the streaming sticks to be ready this fall. Like they've got to be ready by holiday, right? But again, there's that whole global chip shortage. So so it really depends on what they're going to be putting inside of these things. And then, of course, the other big, big question is going to be how much? Can they, you know, w- would you pay a hundred bucks for a streaming stick plus Xbox controller combo? A controller is going to set you back 60 bucks. I don't know. What if, and then if you want to buy it without a controller, does that make it 50? Does it make it 60, 70? I really don't know what to guess for the cost of this thing. When, when you think back to when Google Stadia launched, it only worked on your TV with a 
Google Chromecast Ultra, which I think at the time was 70 or it might have even been $80 just for that Chromecast. And then you also needed to buy the Stadia controller or you could use, uh, I, I think they supported a Bluetooth controller pretty early on. If they didn't right away, they did eventually. So I'm really not sure because it's not like the Series S is that much more. I, I, I get that $300 is still a lot more than $100, but it might be worth it to most people. Like I, I get it's three times the cost, right? But you don't have to worry about your internet connection and you can play anything. You wouldn't be limited to just the games on Game Pass. So we'll see. Once they officially announce this thing, all of those questions should be answered and then we'll have more to, to figure out and some decisions, you know, some more difficult decisions to make. All right, now the last gaming news story of the night, and this is the one that I think is kind of ridiculous, but I'm hopeful that this is, means that we aren't going to have to talk about this thing anymore. Atari has finally released the Atari VCS. This is Atari's new console. Yeah, Atari made another video game console. It's weird. It's like, I mean, they're calling it a hybrid console and PC. So the base model starts at 300 bucks, and it looks like a classic Atari, except it's, it's all black. And for your 300 bucks, I think you just get a console. You don't even get controllers. They're offering classic Atari-style joysticks and Xbox-style controllers. They're wireless, and they're $60 each. Now, $60 for an Xbox-style controller makes sense, especially if it feels as good as an Xbox controller, which it probably doesn't, but it's probably close enough. But $60 for a joystick with two buttons on it? You're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. But if you're, I don't know, like if you're really into this, then I guess you splurge and pay the $400, and that one gets you the black walnut edition, which has the the wood grain on on the front and back, and it looks even more like a classic Atari. Like it, it looks pretty cool, and it comes with one one joystick and one Xbox style controller. So it it saves you twenty bucks if you were to buy the black one plus one of each of the controller types. So what can you play on this thing? Well, it comes built in with a library of one hundred retro games, and and we're probably talking retro Atari games. So that's three or four hundred dollars for, and let's just call it four hundred because even if you buy the three hundred dollar one, you still need a controller. So after tax and the controller, let's just call it four hundred bucks or more to play forty year old games. I'm not so sure who's going to be interested in that. So they have added some other stuff. They've uh, partnered with a game subscription service called AntStream Arcade. I've never heard of this subscription service, but it's $10 a month. It has a library of about 300 games, and it's still retro-type games. Uh, you know, there's pretty old games, but it at least goes up through, like, Nintendo 64 era. But Nintendo 64 was still a really long time ago. You know, the Nintendo 64 came out in 1997, I believe. So. Yeah, that's a really long time ago for a $400 game console. Now, it is a PC. I don't know a lot about this hardware. It's all based on AMD. 
and I'm not super familiar with with AMD's hardware, but it has eight gigs of video RAM, which is pretty pretty decent. I mean, a, a lot of the the nicer GPUs out there have about eight gigs of video RAM on them. Um, but dude, that's still just so much money for a game or for a game console that plays retro games and maybe some PC stuff. So, so here's the actual specs. The GPU is just listed as AMD Ryzen. Well, that's not helpful at all. And the APU, which I don't know why these are listed separately, like their APU architecture is a GPU and a CPU on one die, but this is listed as AMD Raven Ridge 2. I've never even heard of that before. No idea. Now, I'm not, you know, hardcore into building PCs anymore. I'm kind of past that phase of my life at this point, but I I don't know how crazy powerful that is. I'm betting it's not that crazy powerful if they're able to sell it for $300. It has eight gigs of RAM. uh, So I guess I misspoke. I have no idea. Oh, no. I mean, it's eight gigs of RAM, period. It's an APU. It doesn't have dedicated GPU RAM. So it's eight gigs of RAM for the entire machine, both the, the computer RAM plus the video RAM. The RAM is upgradable. That's the thing that's kind of neat about this thing. Like it is a PC, so some of this is upgradable, including it's got an internal M.2 SSD slot. Like you're definitely going to need that if you're planning to use this as a PC because the built-in storage is only 32 gigs, so that's not going to really store much at all. And it's eMMC, which is horribly slow, horribly slow. It also has USB ports, so you could stick like a USB 3.0 hard drive on the back of it. And, you know, then the rest of it's pretty standard. HDMI 2.0, Wi-Fi, uh, 802.11 B, G, and N, but it doesn't have, you know, Wi-Fi 6. It's got Bluetooth 4. It's got USB 3.1. It's got gigabit Ethernet and a, a total of four USB ports and and, and Bluetooth. but. Uh, as a PC, it's not like this is some awesome gaming PC. Like you're not you're not gonna download this or, or buy this and play the, the latest Call of Duty on ultra settings, right? I don't know that you're gonna play the latest Call of Duty on any settings on this thing. So it's really just gonna be more of a retro style PC, in addition to being uh, the the Atari thing. So. But but they are saying, like, you can run Windows on this. You can run Chrome OS. You can run Linux. Whatever you want. Go for it. Okay. The, the one thing here that I think is maybe interesting, especially for this audience, is that because it is a PC, you could use this as a home theater PC. It's got the USB ports on the back. So you could slap a, a couple of massive USB hard drives on it and use this as a Plex server. You could absolutely do that. You could use it uh, for for any of those various uh, home theater PC software packages. You could you could do just about anything on this, I suppose, except play like modern video games on it. So, what do you think? Three four hundred bucks worth it to you on this? We've gotten email from from at least one listener in in the past who 
who had said he didn't want the new Xbox. He wanted this. He was excited about the, the Atari VCS. And if you're still a listener and you're hearing this, I want to know, did you buy it? Are any of you buying this thing? Because if you are, I want you to explain to me why. Because it seems like you could build essentially this for a whole lot cheaper. It, the only thing that you're getting here that you wouldn't get if you tried to build it on your own is that it looks like an old Atari. And that's worth something. I just don't think it's worth $400. Okay, well, that is it for our news. And in terms of what's going on in, well, my entertainment center, not ours, because I don't know what Richard's been doing. Not a lot. It's been uh, another busy week for me. I did play a little bit of Knockout City again this week with some friends. That dodgeball game is a lot of fun. Played a little bit of NHL. Not enough. I kind of always wish that I was playing more NHL, but I did. And this is this is this is the part that I really wanted Richard here for. Jen and I sat down and watched the first two episodes of Ted Lasso. Everybody was right. That show is great. We really really like it. We will definitely be watching this through to completion. It's a hilarious show. When when Richard described it as like, you know, the show to kind of, you know, he described it as feel good and, and like the show that really helped so many people get through 2020. I figured it was going to be fairly clean comedy. And then the thing starts up and it says like rated mature. I, I don't remember what the TV ratings are, uh, but what, but whatever the, the, the highest one is. Uh, and it says for language. And I'm like, how bad does the language have to be to get a to get this high of a rating when language is the only thing that's bad about it. Wow, it's got some language. And I wasn't really expecting that from Apple TV. Uh, It doesn't really bother me, but it it was just a little bit of a surprise for me. But it is really, really funny. So if you're like me, you know, one of the last few people on earth who hasn't watched Ted Lasso, go and watch Ted Lasso. Apple TV, if you're not getting it for free because you've purchased an Apple device in the last year and a half, it's five bucks a month. It's worth it for Ted Lasso alone. And there's some other stuff on there that sounds good. So, uh, you know, like the other one that that Richard got me really interested in was For All Mankind, the alternative history show where the space race didn't really end and we didn't win it either. That looks really cool. And then the other Apple TV original that got a lot of uh, of of praise was The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston and, I don't know, a few other really uh, impressive actors and actresses. So next week, I don't know if I'm going to get to watch much else, but we're definitely going to be making some time to watch a little bit more Ted Lasso because that show is hilarious. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's solo Josh on his own episode. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, though, at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, or at DigiMediaZone to find us on Twitter, we're on Facebook and a few other places. All of that contact information can be found along with the show notes over at www.thedigitalmediazone.com, where very soon you're also going to be able to get new episodes of Richard's other show, Home On, which is a show covering the latest smart home news from the DIY perspective. And then you can also show up 
typically Tuesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern, to watch us record this show live. And we do it on Twitch, so you don't have to necessarily remember to come to the website. You know, you if you're a Twitch user, hop on over to, to twitch.tv slash digitalmediazone, follow us there, or subscribe to us there, and you'll get notified in Twitch when we go live, uh, or just follow us on Twitter, and we always tweet when the show will be airing live so that you can join us in the chat because it's just more fun if you're in the chat with us being part of the show. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 558. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.